Fantastic Four, released in 2015. You should not watch this. <laughs> Fourth time is not the charm. <laughs> Shut up, Slime. Look at this photograph. Every time I do it makes me laugh. Every time I do it makes me... Welcome to Divisive Issues, comic book podcast where we also talk about movies sometimes. I'm Ryan Lynch. I'm Sly Crapo. And I'm Phil Mavrikis. And who's hiding and, uh, over there? <laughs> I'm Daryl Stephan. Daryl? Daryl? Hi. Welcome. That's me. We have a guest. You can come out of the corner, Daryl. Come over here. Okay. You can come out of the closet, Daryl. <laughs> sure. I'll do that, too. <laughs> so we brought, on, we brought on Daryl for this episode because we're actually doing a movie based on one of his favorite comics, Fantastic Four, or as I like to call it, Fanforstic. Yeah, why do you call it that? Because the fucking poster always presents it as Fanforstic. No, they do well, Fantforstic, right? Yeah. Fantforstic, yes. Fantforstic. Okay. I thought this was Daryl's favorite movie. You said you love Fantastic Four. I assumed you meant the 2015 movie. <laughs> yeah, I love Fantastic Four, and I especially love Victor Von Doom. He is a great villain and one of my favorites. And you love this presentation of him, right, Daryl? And the presentation of him in this movie is flabbergasting. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a really good way to sell a movie. So now, yeah. <laughs> since there's been a bunch of Fantastic Four movies and none of them have been really popular. Or good. or Yeah. <laughs> we should give a little bit of backstory of which one this is. So We know already. It's Fanforstic, right? Yeah, it's Fanforstic. <laughs> there was one in the 90s that never got released that Sly talks about all the time, but it never came out. <laughs> Everyone keeps saying it doesn't count, Slice. Shut the fuck up. It doesn't count. <laughs> so it never came out. And then there was the one in... When did the first, like, mainstream one come out? 2004. 2004. And that had Chris Evans, who went on to play Captain America as Johnny Storm. And that's pretty mm-hmm. much, like, the only noteworthy part about it. Uh, Michael Chiklis was good in it. Yeah, Michael Chiklis is great in it. But, like... Uh, also, uh, what's his what's her name? Oh, Jessica Alba. Yeah. The only reason I remember anyone saw just because see yeah, Jessica Alba. Yeah. I remember that. And then that had two. It was Fantastic Four, and then Fantastic Four: Rise of the Silver Surfer. Well, Galactus was a cloud. That's all I know about that wow. movie. I never Galactus even saw was it. a cloud. Spoilers, guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's honestly not a bad movie until you get to Galactus as a cloud. Nah, even then, it's just like it's an interesting interpretation. I didn't think the first one is that bad either. The problem, the problem of all, uh, almost all these movies is none of them are like atrociously terrible except for this one uh they're mostly just uh largely forgettable yeah they are pretty forgettable so one thing that a lot of people don't know that i think we talked about on the days of future past episode is that fox owns the rights to fantastic four and x-men and nothing else so fox keeps making these fantastic four movies because they don't want to lose the rights but they haven't done a good job and they they don't make money like they don't make money so they should really just give the rights away but that's besides the point so this one came out in 2015. It was the most recent one, directed by Josh Trank, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. Josh Tr- Josh Trank, uh, who is at, who was at the time like an up and coming rising star. He probably isn't anymore because of the events of this movie. <laughs> but, but basically, he created a movie called Chronicle, which was a found footage movie, you know, for camera, first p- first person POV style. Blair Witch Project. Yeah, Blair Witch Cloverfield. Project. Cloverfield. Cloverfield, and basically it was uh, my uh, home my home movies. Yeah, yeah. But, My favorite of the three, <laughs> critically acclaimed. Well, basically, it was like uh, found footage about these people who uh, uh, manage to get superpowers. One of them goes bad, but um, one of them goes evil, and the other decides to stop him. Uh, and, that, and then he got this movie, and it got very 
controversial reaction fight from the start because from the start they were like, we're not doing Classic Fantasy Four. Ben Grimm's not going to be fucking big burly Jewish guy from Brooklyn. He's going to be fucking uh, Jamie Bell. Fucking... <laughs> One of the big things that rose this to controversy was the casting of Michael B. Jordan as Johnny Storm. Oh, yeah. Because he's black and Johnny Storm's white in the comics. And Sue Storm is his sister and she's white in the movie. So a lot of people are like, this doesn't make any sense. Are they not going to be brother and sister? But like, they are still and it's fine. It's not a huge deal. The bigger controversy here is having Michael Jordan in the cast is pretty crazy. Michael yeah. B. Jordan. Oh, uh, yeah, Michael B. Jordan. He is. <laughs> he is Jordan. He's Michael B. Jordan, guys. <laughs> pretty famous. A little old for the role of Johnny Storm, but they made it work. Yeah. Yeah. And his basketball skills in that one scene are really top-notch. I yeah. thought it was uh, pretty interesting that they reused the aliens from Space Jam as the villains yeah. in this movie. I love Bugs Bunny's cameo. It was great. I thought this was a Space Jam sequel. <laughs> I'm surprised we slipped in the Space Jam reference. <laughs> Don't ever be surprised. The fan backlash was very relevant because um, it, when when uh, Josh Trank, basically he and Miles Teller, the main actor who plays Reed Richards, got in trouble because Josh Trank did a lot of drugs and smashed a lot of hotels while directing. Smashed whole hotels, not hotel rooms, whole <laughs> yeah. hotels. He was Godzilla. He became the Hulk. He actually is secretly <laughs> the Hulk and no one knew. But Fox doesn't own the rights. Yeah, <laughs> and he said, "Why'd you do this, Josh Trank? We don't have the rights to Hulk. We, we can't use any of that footage." <laughs> <Fuck you. laughs> but, um, but but basically, because uh, Josh Trank was a shithead on set, and he was basically locked out of the editing room and locked out of the reshoots they have for the film, <laughs> which you can you can notice the reshoots in the in film, because when, whenever they have a reshoot, Kate Mara puts on the ugliest wig humanly possible. And, uh, it's, it's not humanly it's not, possible. It's not ugly. It's, it's kind of... Yeah, I don't know. It's like fucking Halloween-level tier. <laughs> it it honestly just looks like your hair is a little more blonde than usual. Yeah, that's what I... I was no, like, it's like, I was like so like fluffy. Blonde. It doesn't look like a natural hair at all. Just well, compare her regular hair and her fucking wig, and you'll see a sharp difference. Uh, but, um... <laughs> I've smelled her hair. It's not it. <laughs> yeah. As a fucking guy who stocks came out, I am I'm adamant about this point. Not as fluffy? Same, different texture? But basically, Simon Kinberg, um, the writers, uh, we don't know who did the reshoots, but rumors are Simon Kinberg, rumors are it was Matthew Vaughn, uh, both of who are producers on this. But either way, they did a terrible job and basically tried to make it more comic accurate when this movie was not meant to be comic accurate from the start. So they made uh, Doctor Doom was supposed to be uh, like a fucking. Wait, gamer spoilers. Game. We're spoiling from now on. But, but I'm just saying what the movie was supposed to be because the movie was not this exactly. But basically, Doctor Doom was supposed to be a guy who has robot. Drone, Doombots, and he's a guy called Domoshev, like a Gamergate hacker-style guy. What? And they made him yeah. into... We're going to make him retroactively Victor Von Doom, the fucking guy from Latveria who is a fucking dictator when it doesn't work at all. <laughs> Especially because he's not a dictator in the movie. But like he is from Latveria. They try to like, squeeze in all this exposition. Try to and make and that's always... one of the things that makes this movie so flawed, is there is a very harsh tone shift, sometimes from scene to scene. Yeah. And it's pretty obvious how, like, there was definitely more than one person working on this movie, and they did not have a cohesive vision together. But we'll get into that as we go through it. Too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. And they're all, dr- and they're all like, gone coke. No, too many cooks in the pot, Phil. Get it right. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Empty hands are the devil's music makers. You did say that yesterday. <laughs> I did. I'm not good with... Uh, Words. <laughs> words, yes. So because of my group of words, let's open this up with Daryl, our guest star. So before we get into the movie, so what we mentioned it before that you're a Fantastic Four fan, Daryl. What yeah. is your 
like experience with the Fantastic Four? Uh, as a person that read them a while ago that doesn't pay attention to a lot of writers, I don't know the exact issues that I read through. I think it was specifically Mark Wade's run. Yes, the greatest. That's a, that's when a lot of people got back into the books. Mark Wade's run. That's like a lot of the when modern era of Fantastic Four. Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. say I read about a hundred issues around there. That's a decent chunk. Yeah, and you had seen this movie before, right? Yeah, and I've seen the old Fantastic Four movies as well. Okay. You haven't seen the '90s one, have you, Daryl? <laughs> Not yet, Sly. Not yet. <laughs> as soon as this it comes is... out. So we actually should ask Phil what's Phil's experience with Fantastic Four because I know his experience. Awesome. <laughs> um, so Sly made me read Fantastic Four in like eighth grade. I don't remember what books or issues they were. It was a '60s classic, uh, Stanley Jack Kirby comic. Mm. Okay. Um, and I did not enjoy them. Uh, maybe I would going back because that was like 13 years ago now. But at the time, I found it really way too campy. Um, and I, I was reading other 60s comics too. Like he was having me read um, Spider-Man. Spider-Man and X-Men Hulk. and Hulk. And for they some were the reason... Campiest? What? They were the campiest? Oh, they definitely they were, are. They were definitely the campiest. Okay. Uh, I mean, not, I'm not dissing Doctor Doom. He's just like, the whole like setting was very campy. And I hadn't seen any of the movies because... A, I wasn't that interested in Fantastic Four, and B, everyone said they were shit, so I just, <laughs> I avoided them until yesterday. Ryan's probably the biggest fan. I am, um, I am a fan of Fantastic Four mainly because of Ben Grimm. If you remove Ben Grimm, I will like them significantly less, but because they have Ben Grimm, I am, I will call myself a fan. I'm a huge fan of everyone in the franchise that's not Johnny Storm, because fuck that guy. But, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I'm a big Fantastic Four fan. I've read, like, a lot of Fantastic Four. <laughs> yeah. But okay, so how this what happens in this movie? Daryl. Alright, so we open with Reed Richards, a young Reed Richards in elementary school, uh, being yelled at by his teacher. Uh, Homer Simpson. <laughs> yeah, Dan Castellano. Yeah, it's the, it's the voice of Homer Simpson. It's not like an, a horrifying animatronic <laughs> real-life Homer Simpson. Like that episode where he falls behind the bookshelf and turns into a 3D man. It's not exactly. that. Exactly. Unfortunately, <laughs> Fox Fox does have those rights. They do actually. Maybe that's why they uh, had. That's why he's uh, there. Yeah. yeah, they're like, you need to promote this movie. So why is Homer Simpson an asshole to uh, Reed Richards? That's a good question. Because Reed Richards is trying to explain, and remember, he's a kid too. He's trying to explain his quantum teleportation. It's theory it's career day. It. He's presenting what he wants to be when he grows up, and he's like ten. Yeah, yeah. and his teacher just doesn't think this is feasible or real. He's just like an asshole. He's like, we asked like, not a, a fairy tale. We asked for what you really want to be, Reed Richards. Fuck you for trying to aspire to things, you fucking dick. Yeah, and 10-year-old Reed is like, you know, I'm working on building a matter transporter. I want to be the first person to ever be transported. Like, I basically he's saying, I want to be a quantum physicist and a research scientist. And he says those exact words. He's not saying like, I am, I want to be this. That's, that's what I thought was so jarring about that scene. It's not like he's like, I have a teleporter. And then it right. ended. It's like clear that it's like, this kid is smart. Yeah. And his teacher's like, it's just going to be like your hover car. Because <laughs> he, he, he explains it. And the thing is, Reed, this is his teacher. So obviously, if Reed is a super genius and a child prodigy, this teacher should know that. Because, <laughs> yeah. like, he yeah. is his teacher. I also want to bring this up because uh, they say this is supposed to be eight years in the past, like, in, a, in a nine, not even the 90s, like 2006 or something. Yeah. Yeah, because 2006 is, is in that- the 90s. Like. But, like, the reason I'm not confused is because they have N64s in Reed's house. And the the movie, the whole back, back background backstory is basically feel like it's the nineteen fifties, 
And it's supposed to be Long Island, but as Joe pointed out when we watched it, that it doesn't look like Long Island at all. So, like, this whole backstory is, like, a complete anachronism. I didn't get that it felt like the 50s at all. They're, like, texting and stuff. But, like, but like they have, like, the, the whole way it's shot, like, the, the brown tint they have to it. They yeah. have the... Oh, I, I see what like, you mean. It's all very 1950s. Like, because, like, I feel like it's because a lot of people in the 80s filmed their, you know, backstories like that. And now they're trying to do it in the modern day, but... The 80s didn't, or the 90s or 2000s in this case didn't look like the 50s. I definitely felt that way too. E- even like the house, his garage looked like some old like like 60s garage when it was supposed look, to be two, 2008. <laughs> the Wii U was coming out in two years. <laughs> yeah. yeah, The peak of modern technology, the Wii U. <laughs> yeah. That's, yeah. that's our frame of reference for time, the Wii U. Like, how long is this from the Wii U? I think the setting actually is is weird, dude. Like, um, not to harp on like what you can see from Long Island or whatever, but when they, at some point in the movie, when they go to New York City, they're like shocked at it. They're like, "Wow, have you ever seen something like this? If you live on Long Island, you've probably been to the city." Before. Yeah. Later on, Ben's Ben is like, when they're in the city, he's like, "Oh, it's only a forty minute train ride. It's not that big of a deal." Yeah. Yeah. But earlier, they're like, "This is the, the land of dreams." They're walking through like when when Madeline gets into the city for the first time, and she's like, "Yeah, wow. yeah, yeah." It's, it's like um. I, I go back to like the cliche uh, style of narrating backstories. Like they're filming like it's 1950s, and they're in like a small town in like, Georgia, yeah. and yeah. they're getting to the big city finally. They're in Glen Cove on Long Island. Yeah, yeah. As Joe pointed out, it's like you can see the city from Glen Cove, but apparently you can't. I don't know. I don't go to Glen Cove, but yeah. Joe complained that like it's it's framed in a way that the city's like looming in the background, but like that doesn't yeah. make any sense. And, and Joe was very positive towards the movie, by the way, and, and except for that part, he's like, "Why did they fuck that up?" I would have loved the movie if it was that part. <laughs> not really, but I like. But he was really harping on it. Yeah. That's why Joe's not here. You <laughs> couldn't let him be here. We're like, you like this movie? Yeah. We want to be divisive, but not that divisive. Yeah. So how was next, Daryl? So, um, and then after the, there's a kind of like stocky kid in the back that's revealed to be Ben Grimm and he goes up and he sees that Lil Reed Richards, when he sits down as desk, is writing like all these smart notes. So he makes like a note to himself to be like, oh, this Reed kid is smart. He doesn't say it. He's smart. And then we cut to Ben's house where I think one of the most drawing things of the movie happens where he goes inside and his brother starts smacking him in the face <laughs> and says it's clobbering time <laughs> which is Ben Grimm's cl- classic catchphrase he, does, he doesn't he doesn't actually say that I was thinking he, like, did he I does. miss that he does no. say that no the brother <laughs> says it's clobbering time and slaps him across the face wait he does yeah he does okay, oh that, my god <laughs> that makes it so much worse that he says this then yeah. And then Ben's mom comes to the rescue and grabs the older brother and starts smacking him in the face, <laughs> telling him not to smack people in the face. <laughs> All I wanted Who was... Who taught you that? Who taught you to smack me in the face? Yeah. Huh? Huh? I wanted yeah. a... I, got, I learned from watching you moment, but we don't get that. And then the show's had uh, funded by the National Association for Drug-Free America. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and it, it's just like, it's a shocking thing because it doesn't get brought up ever that this is his life. Yeah, it it's just it's yeah. a one-off just like hey his life sucks but it's like it doesn't it doesn't reflect in his personality at all and doesn't well, reflect in his actions other than at the end of the movie saying it's clobbering time yeah. like because <laughs> that's a fun throwback yeah ben barely has any like associations film like he's barely a character yeah, no but oh, yeah. childhood trauma always comes out as catchphrases like if you remember in uh, <laughs> the new batman movie where batman yells uh oh no my parents are dying every time he's about to punch the joker <laughs> So, um, what does Ben Grimm, what does Ben Grimm see while at his house? 
Uh, he go- after he goes outside after getting smacked up, <laughs> he sees uh, Reed Richards is out there looking for a power converter. Power converter. Yeah. yeah, and Reed Richards is like, don't don't hurt me. I'm just looking for a power converter. So him and Ben uh, go over to his house because he wants to see what he's making because he knows he's a smart guy. And he goes yeah. into his garage where you see like the the classic like a uh, garage laboratory where it's like all these amazing parts and machines. It's, it's and... a cool set piece. And it, it is it, a cool set piece. It's the thing like you mentioned the N64s before, but I actually think it's it's pretty cool. He has like a rack of like a dozen N64s, and it's supposed to show like he's still a fifth grader building really advanced science stuff. But he's using like stuff that a fifth grader finds cool. Ten years before this, or... yeah, he's very, he's very retro. He's well, like, he's, if, like, he's a retro. Where's a fifth grader? He can't can't buy t- a dozen Wii's. They would be way more expensive. No, he could use a computer, which is more powerful than all those N64s <laughs> combined. That's right. He could use yeah. a computer. Maybe his dad doesn't let him have it. He, maybe at the junkyard. Also, I just bought a Wii for thirty dollars. They're not expensive. <laughs> so, uh, what happens when uh, Reed and Ben do the experiment, uh, Daryl? So they activate it and they use, was it a toy car? Yeah. 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 And they activate it. Oh, and I also just want to bring up that Reed says that where Ben lives is awesome and Ben says nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like an- another like lost opportunity to at least have a heart to heart with him, whatever. Well, yeah. I have I have a theory that this movie was supposed to focus a lot, spend a lot more time on like them as kids and their personal lives. And, like, I don't really think that the client. I think, like, the whole climax, Act 3, is kind of tacked on by the other director. And I think it was supposed to have a lot more to do with this because they, they introduced so many things. Do we know if there's, like, a director's cut or anything? Because it seems like this movie would benefit from having lost scenes. Here's the thing. Uh, we were talking about this uh, when we first saw this, uh, me, Ryan, and Joe. Uh, the problem uh, is, like, director's cut never happened unless. They never happened when the director's. And the studio like break up and the, the movie bombs because there's no financial reason to make a director's cut of this. Yeah, yeah. Because right, so, so. like the studio doesn't want Josh Trank to get like credit for it, and they don't expect if people already didn't buy it or even go see it. Like it had like a really really bad box office run. Yeah, I believe Josh Trank said like the the weekend it released like there's a cut of this that you that is great and you guys will never see it. I mean, we <laughs> saw it like it was like two nights after it came out and it was an empty theater. Yeah. But, you know, what are you going to so, do? So, what happens when uh, they do the experiment? So, so he, he, they activate the, the, uh, the quantum teleporter, and it actually does work. It does teleport the thing away, but, it, like, at the cost of powering down the whole neighborhood. Yeah, yeah it blacks out everything. Yeah. Yeah, and then what's left in its wake is, like, this sulfur dust, and they don't, they don't know where it's from. Ben says, like, where did that come from? And reads, like, wherever the car went. Which is, like, kind of a cool thing, I think. And then it's seven years later. We're already jumping ahead. Oh, also, also, real quick, um, Reed has built a teleporter and doesn't know how to use a screwdriver, and Ben yeah. shows him how to use a screwdriver as a kid, I guess to show that he's street smart? I, I Yeah, I think that's fair. It's like, oh, yeah. look at, it's like Ben knows but basic you have things to, for his you, How do you make this thing without yeah. understanding a screw? 
Yeah, like yeah, seriously. That's like the first weird. thing you have to look look up when you're. I, gonna... They could have done that so much better by having Ben take apart the car that Reed was stealing the power converter from because that's yeah. much more of a hands-on thing. A yeah. screwdriver, like you're gonna tell me he hooked up a dozen N64s to a big power rig and doesn't know what a screw does. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Ben actually is here with Reed in a scene. Dirty old Miles Teller, dirty old Jamie Bell in like an elementary school. A uh, fucking science fair. Okay, yeah. we have to paint this picture. They're at a science fair now, and I guess they're supposed to be high schoolers. Yeah, but all uh-huh. the other they don't people... look like high school. They look like Jamie Bell and Miles Teller yeah. now. And but they're all... supposed to be like sixteen, seventeen, or something. Yeah, yeah. that's a problem with Hollywood in general. I'm not really going to fault yeah. this movie for teens are always twenty five. I, f- I feel like they're doing that less now, but like Fox is a studio that very uh, hinges that old mentality of get an actor that's thirty years older than teen to play. But a teen. this science fair is filled with just little kids. And yeah. making potato fucking batteries. Yeah, they make like potato clocks, and like one of them is just a. He made like one of those like styrofoam planes that you get yeah. in like a box of Cracker Jacks. That's yeah. not a science fair project. But and the teacher is the same teacher from elementary school. Thomas Simpson. So I yeah. would like to think that Reed and Ben are still in fifth grade, and either <laughs> have like Jack's disease or yeah. are like super <laughs> left back. <laughs> They have to have the Jackson Seas because how many Miles Taylor and Jamie Bell at 16? That's true. Yeah. <laughs> so what is an experiment at the science fair? It's the same experiment that Reed's been working on the whole time. He still wants to quantumly teleport things. He brings his quantum teleporter <laughs> to a high school, like or an elementary school science fair. Yeah. More evidence that he has Jack's disease because he was working on this when he was a little kid and he's still working on it only three weeks later. <laughs> and so... Does it work? It does work. They borrow the styrofoam plane from the other kid, and they teleport it away, and for some reason, uh, Homer Simpson is not impressed with this. He says, this is not a magic show. Yeah, he says, this isn't science. Yeah, because, again, they didn't bring the plane back. They did. They did. It was just (laughs) dusty. Yeah, they bring it back. Oh, yeah, dust from China. He's like, yeah, this dust could be from maybe the Guangzhou Desert in China or some other desert. And not only does it bring it back, but it has a huge energy pulse that shatters the backboard of the, you know, basketball hoop. Yeah. And it also, like, has all these really cool flashing lights and, like, science effects. Even if it wasn't teleporting, even if that was, like, part of the gag, like, part of the magic trick, it's still a really impressive thing for a 16-year-old to make. Yeah. Especially in the fucking science fair where the potato clock like wins first place. Second, second place. place. They <laughs> never tell us what wins first place. That's it well, is insane that this teacher says this isn't science. Yeah, yeah and he even has like other teachers with him and no one's impressed by this. This is like one of those things where they're trying to show like Reed and Ben are like oppressed and un- misunderstood, but it's so it, cartoonish. Yeah, over it's the top. fine to say it's fine to show that he's misunderstood. It's just that when you have like something like that, like a quantum teleporter that's teleporting things away and bringing them back, you can't just have everyone else be like. That, that's <laughs> my main like one of my main problems with this movie. After we had finished watching, I said to everyone that. It felt like this movie could have been cool, but it the plot is constantly strung together by all these scenes that are so unbelievable that yeah. the whole movie suffers because this whole this whole premise of the movie doesn't make any fucking sense. This is also extra relevant because uh, this is supposed to be the grim and gritty, dark, realistic reboot of Fantastic Four, uh, which, which will be relevant. But the fact that these scenes are supposed to be uh, realistic and makes it even more unbel- uh, more unacceptable that they're so cartoonishly 
over the top. This educational institute talks to Reed about science like most other movies talk about ghosts, where yeah. they're like, there's no way that this is real. Like, they don't even look at it. He has full schematics and blueprints, and he's explaining to them how it works. And they just kick him out. They just disqualify yeah. him. They disqualify him, and it's like he's saying, like, see, here's footage of the Loch Ness Monster, and they're like, that's <laughs> bullshit. But he's yeah. talking about actual quantifiable science. Yeah. But there is a silver lining to all this. And what it is, is Franklin Storm? Storm. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, Franklin Storm comes in, who is Sue Storm's father, and he's looking for, for some reason, at a high school I, science fair. At an elementary school science <laughs> yeah. fair. Yeah. How to how, uh, help on interdimensional travel, and he found it in Reed. They're tricking him. He not, He doesn't actually have a teleporter. They're tricking him to come so they can study his Jack's disease. <laughs> but like, this is another, uh, another example of, of an unbelievable uh, uh, scenario to fulfill a trope. This is the trope of the town scout finding an unlikely rejected yeah. uh, like a, uh, actor or something like that. But this is a science fair for children. You, That's just weird. Next, interdimensional travel. Ah, oh, this, this volcano with baking soda. Could yeah. this be the key? Next to the yeah. styrofoam plane kid. Yeah. It's like, there he is. There's the person that's going to help us build this It's so this unbelievable. And it, it's visually unbelievable seeing these high schoolers next to these children. And this, like, <laughs> yeah. scientist coming in and being like, we found it. Like, it just, the whole scene is absurd. And yeah. there's such easier ways to do this exact thing. This guy is building this thing that emits these huge levels of radiation and energy. All they have to do is say, like, we, we've we been doing the same experiment and saw the same energy signal yeah. coming from 40 minutes away from our lab. That yeah. makes so much more sense than, we happen to be here. We heard there was a potato clock, but this is way more interesting. <laughs> or, like, you want to make it dark and gritty, right? And you want him to be oppressed. Have it so that he made the project. People, when, they, when he was younger, saw this is dangerous and stopped him from doing it. In, instead of saying, this isn't science. Maybe, he, maybe his parents got hurt. Yeah. For his experiment and disowned him or something. I agree with so much because there's a plot point in this film that Reed is reckless, but his recklessness doesn't come into effect until it's plot relevant that yeah. his recklessness comes into effect. Yeah. Yeah, anyway, Homer Simpson's gone from the movie. That's his <laughs> last scene. Bye. <laughs> yeah. Hope you find your dad. Yeah. And then uh, Reed moves. Oh, so Hulse has gone from the movie for a long time, too. Ben. Yeah. But Ben moves with Reed to the city. And well, he then, doesn't move. He takes him there. He doesn't move yeah. there with him. Unfortunately, because now it makes this movie better. Ben was right. part of the movie. Oh, yeah. He moves him in, and he's like, "This is where you belong." Oh, okay. Yeah. He's he like, drops, he drops uh, Reed off, like as a like you know when you're dropping your son off for college, his dad, like saying goodbye to him before because no, you're not gonna see him for like a long time. I think that's really sweet that he goes yeah. with him. I, but like, he should have been. First of all, they don't know that Reed's the genius behind. So they immediately assume, and then one scene they immediately assume. Obviously, this guy is the genius, and this other guy can't get a scholarship at all. So they, they may assume Ben's a fucking just an extra guy. And even just being his assistant on it, that's still yeah. pretty impressive. Like, yeah. he should also go. And and this is that scene I said before where they're like, wow, New York City. I can't... <laughs> Ben's like, you really belong here, Reed. I've never seen a, a magical place just like yeah. this. Because they're wearing lab coats. That's all he's seen about yeah. it. It has a dorm room, and people have lab coats on. And, the, and they see, like, he sees, like, the skyscrapers, and he's, like, never seen those before. Yeah, I don't know. I guess he really just never left Long Island. But you can see them from Ben's <laughs> <Yeah>. backyard. <laughs> so, uh, what does Reed do at this place? Like, what's everyone like? Uh, first of all, him and Sue start establishing a connection. Um, they have a scene where the, uh, Sue's in the library and Reed goes to the library to pick up some books. 
And this is the first time you get to see some more of their chemistry. You got to see it at the the high school science fair. But here's where it's just like the one-on-one and they're telling each other some things. Like yeah. that Sue says that she studies patterns. It is very clunky in my opinion. Like, it is. Like Richie just sits down and he's like, this is my favorite book. Like she's out right away and points up, uh, what was it, Nemo's, Captain Nemo and uh, 100 Miles Under the World. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. Like... Yeah, that, that, I think that's it. Yes, uh, it's Captain Nemo's Journey to the Center of the Earth starring Dwayne the Rock Johnson. <laughs> finding Captain Nemo. <laughs> no, it's... <laughs> It's, what is it, 40,000 Leagues Under the Sea? Yeah. 40,000 Leagues Under the Sea, yeah. sorry. Uh, Book of Fishing Hours is going to show me now. But, uh, no, but okay, actually, no, it's funny that you mentioned that because this is one thing I want to complain about. This is a trope that I see all the time in movies where they have a super genius who is building a teleporter when he was in elementary school. And he's like, hey, Sue, have you read this book? And it's he picks a pretty mainstream, like super accessible, super popular sci-fi book. And like that's supposed to show how smart he is. And, like, when Sue's like, I've already read it, he's like, wow, you already read this book that so many people have read? Like, yeah. he should be, especially because he's also holding old 1950s physics textbooks. Maybe use one of those. It makes your point a lot better. Yeah. It's, it does seem really clunky, where he's just like, me read. You read? <laughs> I, th- I, I think it's fair to try and establish read as more of, like, he's a scientist and an intellectual rather than just a normal conversationalist but, but, but here's the problem like I, I agree like the purpose behind the scenes is very valid like we said with the science fair like the purpose showing him in press is a very valid uh, idea but the scenes don't execute the idea without feeling awkward yeah yes yeah. Uh, the way I would describe Sue and Reed's chemistry is two sheets of metal clanging together <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and it's like you're uh, they're trying to make them seem like oh like maybe we're into each other he's just like do but, you like music she's like I like patterns. They're not. He makes jokes and she does deadpan deliveries the whole time of like yeah. all of her dialogue and it's not endearing. The thing yeah. that's weird about it is that's actually the total opposite of the usual dynamic where like usually Reed is the cold sciencey one and Sue is like, come on, let me humanize you a little bit. Yeah. yeah. And like it could be interesting having them switch, but the I actually think the actors are pretty great in this movie. But the I actually s- think I actually think Kamara, like not to blame her, but I think Sue uh, there is, like, no chemistry between Sue and Reed. Like, it just yeah. seems like she's, like, a cold... The thing blade. is, I kind of blame that more on, like, the jumpy editing and the, like, dialogue. really awkward dialogue. I don't really blame the cast. I think they do a pretty good job. Uh, like I said, I'm not blaming Kimara. I'm just saying... Because I've never seen anything, but she seems like she could be a solid actress, but I do feel like uh, she had Like, none of the characters have any of the chemistry they should have in this film. Yeah, I- I'll give you that for sure. Yeah. So they establish a rapport, like, outside of the lab, and then most of Reed's time is spent inside the lab working. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's it, a lot of people hassle him. They're all making fun of him for building, like, a not-great quantum teleporter. You fucking asked me to fucking amateur quantum teleporter? Fucking dickhead. <laughs> Do you think it's great? Because Reed's constantly seen as an underdog. Where it's know. like his science is underappreciated. <laughs> but he's the only one that can... That has figured a solution. They couldn't. Nobody else there could bring yeah. stuff back. Yeah. Later yeah. on, Reed's the only one that can fix the machine when it breaks. So like. Yeah. But we. This is when we're also introduced to another member of the team. Oh, first it's Franklin Storm. Is, uh, he's meeting with this. Uh, these board members. They're like the a government agency. They're funding his group. And he's asking them for to get someone back onto his team who is named what Ryan. Victor Von Doom. Yep, just putting it out there. That's just yeah. his name, Mr. Like, Doom. When they re- <laughs> when they relaunched the Fantastic Four in the Ultimate Universe, they called him Victor Van Dam. 
I feel like that's <laughs> yeah. a, a really easy way to just tweak it just a little bit so it's not so like hey it's a comic book villain from 1961 yeah i'm I'm not against like name changes like that where it's like this is their human name before they take up the mantle of their yeah. super yeah. villain persona but, but, but here's the thing though i uh when they were uh re-editing this movie they try to make it closer to comic what, what could you edit in, into the plot that will make him closer to the comic at all besides his name like there's nothing else he can change yeah I, yeah there's yeah. he's he's not dr doom at all yeah He's. I don't even think he's a doctor. Yeah, that's a good point. What, where's the fucking the, medical license? Yeah, there's no. He's not. Oh a doctor. yeah, it's, they just. It's uh, a Sue joke. that makes a sarcastic yeah comment. It's like, what it's Doctor Doom over here? Yeah. Like, Sue Sue old. says it because yeah. he says something about like he's like, oh, they're when they're saying like Victor meet Reed and he's looking through Reed's notes. Victor like, meet Reed. Meet Reed. <laughs> you Reed. Reed makes stick water. <laughs> <laughs> And Victor's like, this is a, this is just garbage. This is a child's drawing. And then they're saying, well, oh, you we... ruined all oh, my favorite line. I wanted to. Deliver. Oh, okay, you do it. You do it. <laughs> oh no, we gotta get to that scene. Okay, right, so, so get to that scene, Daryl. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, I'm trying. So Franklin goes to meet Doom, who is sitting in like this shades down, like dank, dark apartment, and he he has like this eyepiece on, like this <laughs> fake. Google eyes. Yeah. <laughs> it's really weird. He's it's, supposed to look like, I guess, like what Sly said—that whole like hacker type, where he's just yeah. like, I live. Yeah, he's got like multiple monitors. Yeah. That makes you a hacker. Yeah, and so Franklin is trying to convince him to come back to work because he started the project, and that's basically all Doom has connected to the project is that this was just what he started. And he left angrily, and he set all the servers on fire on his way out. Yeah, yeah. I guess he's a big hacker, but he doesn't understand how cloud how the cloud works. <laughs> hey, this was 2008. This is before the internet. Okay, no, yeah, but yeah. now it's eight years after that, isn't it? Isn't it modern? Yeah, yeah, seven, no, but I meant, I meant like he didn't leave right away. Like, yeah, he probably left back when when Rio was playing his own 64. <laughs> also, setting fire is just a lot cooler, and it is more permanent because you can erase it uh, on the on the drive and it not get destroyed. So, he, I guess. As in we this, know from Hillary Clinton. In this scene, <laughs> in this scene, and when Franklin gets Doom and brings him back and introduces them to the 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 rest of the the group, uh, it establishes Doom as what I would call a sarcastic anti-government misanthropic loser. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Basically, that pretty much sums it all up. Yeah, and in the scene, uh, he looks at Reed's drawings and diagrams for his quantum teleporter, and he di- he masterfully delivers this line where he says, rudimentary, elementary, basically a child's drawing. <laughs> <laughs> and then this is when they're saying, like, Victor doesn't want anything to do with the project, and Franklin's like, please, look at, we now have footage. Oh, yeah, they sent a drone over to this other dimension that the teleporter sends to. We should also mention, uh, we, uh, Phil was playing Doom recently, so... Uh, <laughs> it looks so much like they're in hell. <laughs> like, yeah. It's like and this... the plot is they want to go mine this place, so Phil is just making Doom references, like, they're going to go mine hell. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they do, that's what you do. The, the company's mining hell for energy, Yeah, and it, it's like this dark red skies, and that's basically what this group is trying to do. They're like, we can get energy from this maybe other dimension. Yep. And this is when Franklin's like, uh, even though we can't get the drone back, we somehow got pla- pictures back because I guess they have Wi-Fi in hell. Yeah. But they, uh, he's like, we can use this to save our world because there could be new energy sources and all that stuff. And Victor says, 
what does Victor say? He's like, not like they even deserve it. And that's when Sue looks basically at the camera and goes, yeah, Dr. Doom over here. Am I right, guys? Yeah. The dialogue of this movie, like, it has some charm, charming moments, but in general, it's kind of terrible. So, yeah. yeah. And so, basi- basically, they tell them, or Franklin tells them, that they're going to build this quantum teleporter, and the first people that are going to be over are the scientists that made the teleporter. So it's going to be Doom, it's going to be Sue, it's going to be Reed. And then... And it's going to be a fourth character who we're about to meet. <laughs> yeah. And so, it we uh, jump over to this fourth character, who is Johnny Storm. And he is uh, drag racing, I guess. Yeah, against he's drag racing. Just other drag racers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah these, these people. Not just drag racing in like an abandoned warehouse area, like on the highway, going like cutting into oncoming it's lanes. Like, it's at it's at night. People yeah, but do that. like yeah, but. Those people are assholes. I know, but and, and, and Ryan mentioned this to me while we were watching. He sure to me he said, "This is fucking Wally West from the Flash." And there seems to be a trend going on where if you make a character, a white character, black in a film or TV show, you have to make him a drag racer. <laughs> it's like no. a stereotype or something. <laughs> I don't know. It's because I don't know. They think that's that's how to establish them being really cool. Yeah, I guess <laughs> look so. how fast I go. I like speed. It's one thing to have like a drag race. At like, if you want to establish like he lives for the thrills and stuff, have it like being in, in abandoned areas. Having him do it on the highway makes me feel like how am I supposed to relate to this guy? He's putting so many people's lives at risk for no reason. Well, it can establish him as reckless. Yeah, but like, there's a difference between reckless to get a thrill and reckless like at a level that's really, really selfish. Yeah, but I also hate Johnny Storm, so I could give this a is fun. very accurate. Johnny Storm. Johnny Storm's a fucking cock. So. <laughs> That's probably, that's probably with, like, the 2004 movie, because I hate Giant Storm in the movie, but I'm like, I hate you, but you're doing your job, so I guess, good job? Yeah. yeah. And so, so uh, he gets in a crash, and then uh, Franklin Storm picks him up from the hospital. Spoilers, and, it's his dad. Yeah. And so they're getting in a, a, little, a little bit of a scuffle, because Johnny is basically... The the child like Sue's the favorite child of the family, and Johnny has like no direction, no point, so he kind of just lashes out against his parent, and uh, his dad treats him more like a student than he does a son. Yeah. I think that, like that's that's good character building yeah. for this movie, and that's about like kind of as far as it goes with that. Because now Johnny comes onto the team, which is that's his punishment. He's like, "You've been drag racing. Well, now you're gonna help me build a quantum teleporter." Yeah. And as usual, the voice of reason, Dr. Doom over here, says, what the fuck can this guy do? We are all, like, super scientists. He's just, like, some asshole. And Franklin just goes, this kid can build anything. They they do suggest that, uh, to be fair, they do suggest that uh, Johnny Storm is smarter than he seems. But as Phil pointing out, uh, building cars doesn't let you build fucking... Yeah. It, yeah, yeah the, the most experience he seems to have that we know of is that he built his car from scratch. Yeah. But at the same time, these scientists don't know how to use a screwdriver, so I guess being able to build a car is probably really valuable hands-on tech. Yeah, because uh, Johnny is seen in a montage doing a lot of work yeah. and helping and, a lot. And building a car from scratch actually is pretty hard work. So anyway, we get this uh, really like fun, light montage of everyone building the quantum teleporter, working together. And suspiciously missing is Ben Grimm, who, again, has not been seen for about, like, 10, 15 minutes. And there is a part where, like, when you're watching it, and I know I don't I don't want to harp on comparing it to the original source too much because it's supposed to be a brand new reimagining, but there's parts where the audience goes, when is Ben going to, how are they going to get Ben here? Because he has yeah. to be here. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, 
what happens is they they finish the teleporter at one point and they it's like, show it's, it off. Yeah, it's like it's a great event, and this one government agent who's the mole man. <laughs> Okay, yeah, he has the same in the original script. Has the same real name as the mole man, but for some reason he's not the mole man. He just has the same name. Oh, he has a great line at one point where he's like, before they're finishing and they're still building it, he's trying to cut funding to Franklin, and Franklin's like, "No, we can do it." And the government says to him, "You put too much faith in this in these kids. You're like not." objective about this and he says i put all my faith in these kids which is such a great way to be like no you guys are totally right i'm an insane person take away yeah. my money but the movie is just like oh damn he sure showed them yeah yeah yep. it's such a weird concept that like they're they get a bunch of teenagers like just fresh out of high school to build a quantum teleporter that apparently according to sue storm could create a black hole if you fuck it up yeah, yeah. and, de- and de- destroy earth and then their plan is also, yeah, when, when it's done, like, you guys will just go to the other dimension. Like, we'll just send these teenager scientists, you know, to go explore. Yeah, and yeah. The, the mole man, the government agent, he doesn't, he says, like, once he sees it complete, he's like, all right, now we'll contact NASA and we'll get some astronauts to go there. And, it, like, all the people that work on it are astonished that this is happening. Like, <laughs> yeah. they had no idea. That's as far as the contract. <laughs> so then the same day they complete it, Dr. Doom is... Like, not Dr. Doom. Mr. Doom. He doesn't become a he doctor never, at yeah. all. He he never gets yeah. his PhD. Yeah, at this point, there's all these deleted scenes of him taking night classes, trying to get an honorary PhD. <laughs> yeah. And so Mr. Doom pulls out a <laughs> a flask of whiskey. The tiny little A flask. tiny flask. Yeah, and he's like, guys, let's get drunk. And Reed's like, I don't know. Ethanol kills brain cells. And Johnny... Smiles. <laughs> yeah. Johnny's like, I've been drunk for two weeks. Yeah. That's why I got into that accident. And, and this tiny flask gets them all like super hyper drunk. Yeah. Just the three of them. Sue is not there. Right. Yeah, because Sue, Sue would be a buzzkill. You can't yeah, do Sue alone. It's long, boys' man. night. Yeah. And so and, the boys' night concludes with Doom saying, yo, guys, let's just hop in this quantum teleporter, <laughs> plant down an American flag, and show them it's like we got there first. Even though he's anti-government. Because his argument is that no one remembers the scientists that got space shuttles to the moon, but they remember people like Neil Armstrong. I actually like this scene yeah. quite a lot. Because That's a fair point. I love the idea of them saying, like, who are the guys that built... The Apollo space station, or the Apollo uh, spaceship, spaceships, rocket space ships, station. <laughs> space shuttle, yes. space how about, shuttle. How about the Star Trek Enterprise? Yeah, <laughs> and they are like, I don't know, but I only know Neil Armstrong, and I really, yeah, I, I don't know the fucking guys about the Enterprise. I know uh, Captain Kirk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and I I really like the idea of when you give this much power to like 16, 17, 18 year olds. And then strip them of the glory. I feel like a very teen reaction, especially yeah. when they're getting drunk, is like, let's just fucking take it. What yeah. are they going to do? Anyway, uh, so they're going to go there. And there's the quantum teleporter conveniently has four different pods you can go into when you teleport away. So Reed thinks to himself, hey, I need a fourth man. Why not the man that was there in the very beginning when I first ran the quantum teleporter? So he calls up Ben. Hey, come back into this movie. We forgot about you. <laughs> yeah. Shit. Yeah. <laughs> you want to meet my new friends? Yeah. And Ben's like asleep. And Reed's like, you gotta come here. And he's like, are you drunk? And he's like, yeah, whatever. What'd you say about my mom? <laughs> it's actually, I think, a very fun, like, 
I can't forget about yeah. my bros kind yeah. of moment. And like, I actually like my bros, like my, my, my best friend from when I was a kid, my only friend when I was growing up. Yeah. And I, I like, I really like that. He calls him. It's probably my high point in the whole movie that like, even though it's very circumstantial and like, of course, Ben has to come back. Yeah. I, it's, it's to me the most human endearing moment of probably the entire film. Probably. So, uh, what is, happens when Ben gets there? Ben gets there. They all suit up. And they're all right, so they, they they all each go into their own different pod, and they activate it, and so they essentially go to hell. <laughs> or it, it's it's referred to as Planet Zero later in the movie, but again, like this is like a nightmarish, yeah, just like yeah. rock it, landscape, it is a hell storms, scare. like it, there's just like this pure energy Green radiating from the ground, energy, like bursting from the ground. Yeah. yeah, if you're familiar with comics, it's the negative zone. Yeah, I will also say because this movie does get sci-fi at some points, like. I, I think it's it's ridiculous that they go to another dimension planet place where they go to hell. They they go to hell. Gravity is the same as Earth. You can breathe there. Uh, it's well, like they're in containment suits. The first time they go there, when they go there at the end of the movie, they can just breathe no problem. Yeah, yeah. and it's like it, it's apparently just basically Earth, but like a hellscape. Yeah. yeah, Earth with no vegetation. Yeah, they, they do say like it's supposed to be Earth in the early years of our creation. Like it's, yeah. it's uh, more touched by man. But uh, I don't think Earth Touch My Man will have green slime flowing everywhere. <laughs> yeah. This is not Ghostbusters, guys. <laughs> so they go there, they plant the flag, and then they're like, hey, Johnny, you need to stay behind and look after our quantum... No, Johnny doesn't want to go. Yeah, Johnny's a responsible, uh, 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 you know, a clear-headed guy in this scenario. Wait, which, no, he's, he's afraid of heights because they're like, we want to climb down this cliff. Why is the reckless one the one that's like, I don't want to climb he down He might like to drive fast. It doesn't mean you're... Like, you can still have a fear of heights. No, but if you establish him as the reckless one and everyone else is like the cautious scientists, why do a total role reversal here? Know. I don't yeah. know. Anyway, they go down this cliff and they go check out this glowing green goo. And the first thing you do when you're in an alien dimension and you see glowing green goo, you put your hands in it. So yeah, yeah. Well, Doom was like, he's taken by because he says it's alive. It's not just energy, like it's a living It's force. responding to stimulus. Yeah, it's like, it's like, a, it's like a nervous uh, system of in the glue. Yeah. And whenever you touch it, you stimulate the nerves. Yeah, yeah, and it responds so much, it says, hey, I really want Doom. So it takes him. It doesn't... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Well, it, it doesn't take them yet. They all try and run back, and then it because it, it's like everything's exploding now. Yeah, when you yeah. T- when they touch the pool, the ground just erupts with green energy, and everything just starts exploding. It's like one of those chase scenes where you have to run away. Yeah. Yep. So then they're climbing up the cliff, and it, it's exploding on Doom, and it's basically it's kind of like melting and crumpling his spacesuit, and he's like, Reed, don't let go, hold on to me, and then and, Reed, he, and he tries. <laughs> he does try. Yeah, he tries. And and after he falls off the cliff, Ben and Johnny are like. Like, Reed's, like, we can't leave him, and Ben and Johnny force him to leave. Yeah, yeah. he falls off the, the cliff into the green goo and just disappears, and that's it for Doom. I bet he's dead. Yeah, me yeah. too. <laughs> so then they run back to the quantum teleporter chairs, and they're trying to get in, because they need to get off this planet, and back on Earth, Sue finds out that they, they took the teleporter, and she's trying to get them back, and it's like, no signal, like, her, she can't get any footage from them, until she does... And she sees, like, there's... The, the Wi-Fi mis- went out for a little bit yeah, on Planet yeah. She sees, like, each of the the four chambers, and something different is happening in each of the four chambers. Yeah. I do, I do want to point out, not only was Ben not part of the team building, we also had Sue be not part of the actual adventure. Yeah, I, I was real surprised the first time I watched the movie, where it's like, Sue wasn't even on the planet, so I'm like, how is she gonna even get her powers? Yeah, yeah and don't worry, it makes total sense and isn't really dumb when that happens. <laughs> So each of the four chambers, something different is happening, and 
<laughs> fire breaks into a giant storm. Yeah, and lights him on fire. Where did that fire come from, Who guys? Who knows? Who knows? The the, the chair, maybe some stuff on the, the oxygen chairs. In there. Oh yeah, they brought it. Maybe it was the flag that got set on fire. They brought the American <laughs> yeah. flag. They hate America, but they brought the American flag to plant it. <laughs> that was Doom's plan all Death along. Death to America was, was yeah. to burn the American flag. By the way, the, rocks go into Ben. Ben Ben is getting rocks shoveled they, at him by some the, unknown force. It is force. the worst special <laughs> effect in the movie. This looks like there's a rock thrower pelting him in the face. Yeah, it's like someone with buckets of rocks just like chucking at him. That's like, probably what they, how they filmed it. It looks like yes. a wood chipper machine is yeah. shooting out at him. And my favorite yeah. part is he can't even get like his door closed. It keeps like <laughs> flapping open because of all the rocks. It's like, it was like a comedic bit. Like when somebody opens like a cabinet full of cups and starts pouring it on him, he's trying to close it. Like help. <laughs> And, and and so it's like you're starting to understand, okay, these are all their special elemental powers. Yeah. And Reed is reaching? Yeah. That is yes. really the stupidest explanation <laughs> yeah. of them all. Oh, no, he's, he gets stretchy perils because the plot is reaching so far. <laughs> oh, yeah. I do like this idea of each... Because, like, this is an idea brought up in, like, Ultimate Fantastic Four that... Um, that's for each represent a, a specific element, which I think makes their powers feel more... Like, it has to be those powers rather than uh, four arbitrary powers, which is what you kind of... Yeah, yeah so just Earth like mutant fire, powers. Reed is, like, fluid, you know, water. Yeah, water. And yeah. Sue turns invisible, so she's like air. So they, they end up teleporting back, and when they teleport back, there's a big explosion, and it blows up some glass. And which... then the movie turns into a horror Wait. movie. <laughs> it blows up some, some glass that okay. Sue was behind. Yeah. And that's how she gets hurt. She starts, like, phasing in it. Well, Sue gets hit with, like, an energy wave... But the energy wave also hits all of Manhattan. We should have also pointed out that they had this quantum teleporter. Like, all the scientists sit next to it as it operates. There's no there's no safety equipment. That was a weird thing. How do you operate the quantum teleporter from the inside? Like, it's it just... It, it's a bizarre <laughs> thing. And how do you yeah. get fucking footage from the other dimension? <laughs> yeah. why, why would people? Why would sunglasses be the only thing you need when this thing's operating? Oh, yeah. There's, there's <laughs> no, like, sh- safety shield or anything blocking the quantum teleporter. It's just up on a platform. And, I mean, if you look at any, like experiment uh, station, if you look at the Large Hadron Collider or any kind of tessellator, they're they're shielded so much to protect, like, they're just yeah. common sense. You have to protect the people yeah. operating it. They just sit next to it, like, eat sandwiches, and they're like, oh, I hope this is still Yeah, it's like this thing that can create black <laughs> yeah. holes and has just all this free energy moving around. Make sure you put your sunglasses on. <laughs> uh, so Philip mentioned that this movie becomes a horror movie. I just want to give some backstory on what this movie was hyped as, what it was going to be. So Josh Trank says he wants to make a David Cronenberg-esque movie. And for those who don't know, David Cronenberg made movies like Scanners, The Fly, very body horror movies. Yeah. So, and the, if this movie was allowed to fulfill the original vision, I don't know if it would have been good, but I think it would have been better and more more interesting as a pro, as a final product than what it became. And this is one of the few examples of what it could have potentially been because we get to see them display their powers, and it is horrifying. And just to be clear, we're already 45 minutes to an hour into the movie, and it's yeah. not been horror at all. And this yeah. is a, a very stark uh, like tone shift. Yep, it, yeah. it's it's like it's a lot darker. The scene opens with like the the facility is destroyed. There's fire everywhere. You hear like Ben screaming in the background. Yeah, uh, Reed is covered in blood. Johnny's on fire, burning to death. We just see Johnny's flaming corpse. Yeah. We see we see Reed dragging his bloody body around while his he, his leg is pinned under rocks. Yeah, you have like uh, strings, the classic horror strings that are trilling. Uh, and then 
he hears Ben in the distance moaning and saying, oh. yeah, Under a big pile of rocks. Yeah, he thinks it's a big pile of rocks, and he realizes, oh my god, Ben is rock. <laughs> no, he doesn't realize this now. He realizes it way later. But but like that is like the twist the audience realizes. Yeah. At, the scene ends with him turning around, and he sees that all this distance he crawled, his legs were trapped under something, so he was just stretching out Which his legs Which is actually forever. really cool. Because like, yeah. the whole scene, you don't see his legs. He just sees that he's pinned, and he's trying to drag himself. So then when he turns around, and he's... Pulled himself across the room yeah. with his leg stretched. I think it's actually a cool effect. Yeah, it freaks yeah. him out, and, he, and then he passes out. Yeah. And then and then we cut to Area 57, location <laughs> unknown, and some, like, uh, military base in the north that the government keeps. And it's yeah. Reed strapped to a table, all, like, his uh, limbs stretched out. And he's just asking, Ben... Where's Ben? Where are my friends? And they're totally ignoring his cries to find out if his Yeah, and he's like, there. he's screaming and yelling. It was hard. And crying. Like, he's like, where are my friends? Help me! Yeah. And uh, so uh, while Red is stretched out on this gurney... Did you say while Red? <laughs> while, while Reed is uh, stretched out on this gurney, everyone is stretched out on gurneys, even the giant storm, who's on fire. Yeah, they, they put... They, you know, some of them make sense. They put Sue on the bed. She's fading in and out of existence, or it looks... I don't know... Her, it looks like she's becoming invisible and not invisible. They say she's shifting in and out of the visible light spectrum. Right. Yep. And, but they still have her vitals on to like, so they're like, she's fine, but like, we just can't see her sometimes. And another horror aspect is that they're showing, because Franklin's here at this base, because they need to ask him what went wrong. And he sees his own children mm. like like this, and he's, he's basically uh, like mortified. Yeah. That yeah, this is going on, especially when he sees like his own son on fire and just burning. <laughs> they, yeah. they just put Johnny Storm on the bed. They're like, "Ah, oh, flaming man! I don't know how they carried him there." They, they just put him on the bed. and They're like, "Okay, go to sleep." Yeah, how did they get him there? <laughs> and also, he, there's like no, no protective anything on, on the walls or anything because he like fl- he like flares up a bit and bl- shatters all the glass around him, almost hit, killing. I mean, everyone. he would have. I mean, yeah. not to get too nippy, he would have melted through that bed and his straps and everything, unless he had, like, unless he was covered in asbestos or something. <laughs> If they had the technology to keep this bed and room from melting, you'd think they would have something better than a thin sheet of glass that, like, he shatters the glass and all the shards of burning glass fall on all the people looking at it. <laughs> yeah. Like, they do not plan this well at all. Well, it's just like the quantum teleporter. This is a very, like, no, this is a deregulated society. They do not need to have safety uh, regulations. Yeah. So oh, they, okay. they're, they're cutting costs here. They're just true capitalists. This is, this is a true horror universe. <laughs> There's no safety. I never realized how many shitty comic books and comic book movies are actually just uh, Randy and exploration. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what happens to Reed? What does he do? Uh, Reed, when he's conscious, uh, starts stretching his bike to get out of the, like, uh, his like his bindings. Yeah, like the straps. And so he's he's slowly learning how to use like his stretchiness and get his body out from the he's he's Houdiniing himself. Out yeah, of and this is where he, he calls himself Stretch Armstrong and and gets yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing I want to say, I think most of the effects in this movie look pretty terrible. Yeah, surprisingly, I think his stretching actually looks pretty good. And that's impressive because uh, the worst effect in the old movies, the thousand four ones, was the stretching. It looked like CGI garbage. Oh yeah, I feel like oh, that's a so hard funny. thing to do, and they do it well. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty well done. So he stretches himself out, and then he goes into a vent, and he starts crawling through because he's looking for where his friends are. Yeah. And the Mission Impossible theme plays in the background. Yeah. <laughs> but he hears Ben crying out for help. Reed, help me! Yeah, and so he sees him, and he's, like, it, it's trying to, like, this really weird angle where you see Ben kind of looks like this weird mountainous thing. 
and then he starts to like turn his shift his whole body around. Yeah, and his body's like forming from the rock. Reed's horrified at this, and he knows that like he can't get him out of here now. So it's like, I, 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 I need to leave. I'll come back for you. I'll come back for you. And and Ben's reaching out. And he's begging him to stay. And right. Reed just books it. He is out of there. He he finds a way out and he just runs away. Anyway, Reed's out. And so yeah. Mole Man comes in and he sees Ben Grimm and he's he's unprotected. Like he just walks into the room with him with no other guards around or like any kind of suit Also, on. this guy's always chewing gum in every <laughs> single shot. I think just to make you feel like fuck this guy because every time yeah. you see him chewing gum like over his mouth wide open, you just think like this guy's a fucking dick. Yeah, everyone hates people that chew gum. Yeah. But, like, who chooses to come like that? Like, oh, oh, the mouth is just and wide he's like, open. hey, what up, rock monster? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fuck ass. So he, he tells him he can reverse this if he helps out the government. And so Ben's like, what do you want me to do? Cut one year later. Yep. Natural transition. If the whole movie was this tone of the last, like, eight minutes, I think I would probably like it a lot. See, I think it's actually a pretty interesting spin on the Fantastic Four because you don't get a lot of movies... Uh, that deal with superhero transformations that look at it from a, a horrific standpoint. Like, you see that kind of yeah. stuff, like, you can see it in Ruins. But there's not a lot of movies where it's like, this is, like, awful what happens to you. Yeah. Like, you are irrecoverably yeah. in this transformed state. That's and like I feel monstrous. like that could be really, really inspiring if you have a first movie that's set up, like, horrific, and then, like, they overcome it and come together as a family together and, like, become, like, a real, like, positive fuck-yeah superhero team. That could be a really cool grounding for a franchise. Especially since since Fox has the rights and this isn't like a a, a loyal Marvel Studios make of the movie, you can you can kinda do with it whatever you want. Yeah. Like if if you're gonna stray from the the core of the franchise, you might as well like at least try and make it interesting. Yeah. I also think the humanity of everyone shows through a lot. Like the scene between Red and Reed and Ben. <laughs> oh, you oh, oh, who who could fly the asshole calling him Red? Shit. Here we go. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like Reed and Ben here. Like I feel the pain for both of them yeah. here. Yeah, yeah. I thought the, the like reaching and crying they did. Like yeah. it really made you feel kind of sick. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what happens after they cut one year later? Time to accelerate the plot. Yeah, so now oh, now the geez. plot starts speeding up. And then it, it flies through the rest of this movie. Yeah, so you get to see all these government people watching footage of the thing in action, which is basically, they have, like, a footage of him destroying tanks. They so. say it's covert missions, but he's just in the middle of a field <laughs> killing people. Yeah. And just to clarify, it's the thing from the Fantastic Four, not the thing from Another World or the thing from the Adams Family. Yeah. And or the thing from The Thing. To super yeah. clarify, the thing is completely naked. <laughs> yes, and he super doesn't have a dick. So you get to see his rocks. Yeah, confirm no dick. <laughs> anyway, uh, the ever like all the government guys are impressed by this, and so what they want to do is they want to build Quantum Teleporter Two, which is a really great name, <laughs> yeah. and they want to send more people over and study out, like study how this transformation worked, because they. Ideally, they want to make their own soldiers. What I don't get is, yeah, that's my main question is, what military application does turning your men into rock monsters really accomplish in today's world? They're vulnerable. Hey, you know what else isn't vulnerable? Like, you know what else doesn't have loss of life? A drone. Yeah, or like, in for example, like we see him using it use against tanks, right? Like, the U.S. doesn't lose tanks in combat. Hasn't since. But uh, an army of things would be like shock and awe. That's true. (laughs) Like, what is this? (laughs) Big rock men. (laughs) 
That's true. <laughs> Speaking of drones, though, I, I have to mention this cup because editing this movie really sucks, and it's the biggest highlight of how much it sucks. Oh, this is great. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, so they're in the airplane show- saying, oh, let's showcase what the Human Torch can do. And then it cuts to... Wait, wait, wait. It's, it's the mole man specifically pointing out to these other guys. It's like, look what, like... <laughs> and the other guy squints out of the window and goes, what is that? They're on an airplane. He says, what is that? Yeah. Yeah, and then you see, they see the Human Torch flying, <laughs> and he explodes an airplane and sets it to, burning to the ground. Yeah, he shoots down an airplane. And you think, like, he just killed everyone on that plane, <laughs> but it was a drone flying next to the plane. And the cutting, the editing makes it so unclear. And I've seen this movie three times now, and every time I, for a second, go, did he just kill all those guys? Because <laughs> yeah. you don't even, it doesn't even establish that the Human Torch is on, like, a run where he's training to shoot down drones. You just see him shoot down an airplane. Yeah. yeah. And also, this is the first time we're seeing him after a year gap. Yeah. He could be a villain now. We don't know. Yeah. Especially since the show that thing is a murderer now, too. Yeah. 47 confirmed kills. And to be fair to that, he, he enjoys this. Like, he wants his lifestyle. He wants to be like Ben Grimm. He wants to be out there using his powers for what he says is good. Yeah, lighting people on fire. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. I, I also want to bring up that it's weird that... Uh, Doom is, like, he's anti-government. He thinks that humans, like, abuse their power and abuse the land. And this movie kind of supports his view with all these government agents being like, yeah, we just want to... Which is always a a strange thing when you're, like, you're sympathizing with the villain. Or, we don't know he's the villain. I think he's supposed to be a sympathetic villain, if not not, uh, the guy we are supposed to morally think is right. Well, maybe at the beginning. When he, spoilers, shows up again, he's not a character. He's just, I'm evil. Yeah, and he looks like he's made out of garbage, as Daryl said yeah. when we were watching. Yeah, he's garbage we'll man. That. So okay, that happens yeah, pretty let, quickly. So let's, let's just let's cut through the stuff. Along. The thing is in combat. Johnny Storm's like, I want to go to combat. Sue's like, we have to get our lives back. Our yeah. lives are ruined. Sue wants their lives back. They talk to Franklin's like at times because he's trying to get them out of there, even though they've been there for like a whole year. And he says, in order to reverse it, they're going to have to go over to the uh, to hell again, and they. For some reason, they just can't build it. They need Reed's help. They need to find Reed. They didn't write down what to do last time. Also, the lab did explode. So that's, yeah. you know. Yeah. And we found out that once you set fire to a server, all data is lost forever. <laughs> yeah, Doom did it again. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Sue agrees to help find Reed even though she feels betrayed by him. And this is where her her pattern analysis comes into play because she's looking through all the evidence they have of where he's been. Ten monitors at once and she's like, I see the patterns. Yeah. And she puts on headphones and listens to music and they have this dramatic theme song playing as she's trying to write all, all, all these patterns. While she wears this uncharacter, this wig that is an abomination. It's, yeah. it's this, this creature, this thing, if you will, on top of her head. It's like this, this straw hair. So if if you could see what if you could hear what she was listening to instead of the dramatic theme, what would you want? She already said she was listening to Portishead. No, that was earlier. She doesn't. Say she's listening still to listening now. to that. It's just like how Reed is his username Hamble. Ham, Hamble. His handle is Captain Nemo. She's also listening to Portishead again. No, she's definitely looking at all these pictures of Reed listening to Photograph by Nickelback, and I will fight anyone who disagrees. <laughs> oh, Ryan, no, that's what you're listening to right now instead of. He actually just uh, talking while we're hearing what we're saying. Yeah, he always does that. <laughs> He's just like, look at this. <laughs> Did you forget the next word, Daryl, in the song Photograph? It's on the tip of my tongue. So Sue complains that their lives are ruined, even though she can do everything she always could have, except she can become invisible and fly now. Yeah. To be fair, uh, they explained that the powers are still out of whack. They need these suits to um, oh, right. function to function that normally. Yeah. Also, they are trapped in a facility. I forgot. Yeah. But uh, so they have to go now. They know where Reed is, and they go to find them. 
Yeah, and so Reed is in Portugal? Yeah. And so he he does this thing where, like, he's been having to keep his identity a secret, so he transforms his own face with stretchy powers. <laughs> yeah. It's really weird CGI. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah. And, and so he gets back to his own house where he has this picture of him and Ben as little kids, because it's showing you he didn't forget. Yeah. And then they find him. And all these government, like, soldiers drop in with these guns, and Reed has to fight them, and he's using his stretchy powers, and it's like... It is the quickest CGI I've seen. It's like uh, like one second at most of like him stretching, and then the scene's done. But we should mention because uh, like the scene ends, Ben drops to the ground and just headbutts Reed, and that's it. Well, after Reed ducks and he punches a tree with enough force that definitely would have instantly killed Reed if it connected. Yeah. They, no, they start off arguing, and it's interesting because this is the first time Ben's seen Reed, so it's like all right, we'll get some good uh, like conflict between them, and Ben just like headbutts him, and he's done. And that's it. And that's like yeah, the scene right. ends. And, and and we have it's important to point out because it's supposed to be a summer blockbuster. Like, there's only oh, there's like no action in this movie. There is no more action until um, we point out the chasing. Until a point, I was like kind of dozing off because like there was no ex- even period of excitement. That's true. It could have a cool scene where you have a superhero fighting a superhero, yeah. and it just yeah. doesn't last. Yeah. So then you get Reed. He's captured and uh, Ben's in the plane with him, and it's just like. Ben tearing into Reed and telling him what a terrible person he is. And you Reed, left me. Yeah, Reed's like... I mean, he's right. Him. Yeah. He's right. Like, his life is ruined. But the weird thing is, you're waiting for the superhero team-up to eventually happen, and all you feel from Ben to Reed is contempt. The movie's almost over, and everyone <laughs> hates each other. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they don't have a moment of catharsis where they make up. They're just friends later. Yeah. yeah. All of them are just super friendly and playful, out of nowhere. There is no, like, re- redemption. They're just great now. Yeah, so yeah. they come back, and then uh, they tell... The government basically tells Reed, you need to finish this project. And Reed's like, uh, okay. Yeah. And they make it ten, in ten minutes. Yep, they make another teleporter. They're like, we're gonna go again. It's, it's like, instant. It's just the teleporter's built. And so then they teleport some guys over. Yeah. Yeah. What do they find over there? They get a life sign, and it's this... <laughs> <laughs> I, I I would describe it as a great crash test dummy. That, yeah, yeah it, it's like a crash test dummy with a ripped green garbage bag. Yeah, yeah garbage bag like melted onto him. <laughs> yeah. He he looks really bad. I yeah. mean, if they're going yeah. for this horror thing again, out of when they you could have done it. so much better. Yeah, than just like a man that, like his face really does look like a crash test dummy face. <laughs> also, the, if you're going for a horror element, don't have him immediately be in full light. Laying stationary, like, you see everything about it. Yeah. Have it be more mysterious. They, they bring him back. They bring back Crash Test Doomy. <laughs> and they, they lay him down on the table. And then uh, the Mole Man comes in, and he comes in finally in a radiation suit to see one of these monstrosities. For the first time. Yeah, and he's basically asking, it's like, wow, Victor, how did you survive? That's crazy. And he says that the, the green matter on the planet kept him alive. He says, hell saved me, basically. Yeah. And gave me power. <laughs> yeah, and he says that that's his planet now, and he tells Mo Man that, like, his people don't deserve it. His people? <laughs> yeah, the humans. Who's... The humans. The Mo Man. He's talking about the Mo He's like, I know your secret. The Mo Man will never <laughs> yeah. have my planet die. I actually like this line a lot when he says, like, it, it imbued me with power, and the Mo Man's like, what kind of power? And Victor says the kind of power men like you should never possess. Yep. Yeah. Like that's that's a pretty cool line. So then uh Doom goes 
full evil. Yeah, this this whole next scene is like the opening of the anime Elfin Lead, where he yeah. stands up and just explodes people's or heads. Or also Akira. Or Akira, yep. Where Tetsuo's going through the hallway and just blowing people up. I actually, this is my favorite scene in the whole uh, film, because it's, for most parts, <laughs> one long shot of Doom running through corridors and you can see like people in the back people in the, in the distance and he's, and he's getting towards them and the guards are trying to stop him and he's just getting more and more ground into this hallway and killing more and more people and basically his power is this is what he uses on moment he blows people up yeah he just explodes <laughs> or he, he just like explodes a part of their body so they're just they're dead so you just see a giant like blood splat on the wall and since it's based on uh, supposed to be going, going for a scanner's effect I do think he's trying to be a mix of telepathy and telekinesis because he break moves shit sh- his mind and he also explodes people's heads. Yeah, but he immediately has god level powers. Yeah, yeah but it, it's really cool to watch because you're just seeing this man walk through these halls and people screaming until they explode and just are and it's silent. Always, it's always in. their heads splat against the wall <laughs> yeah. above them in that like kind of cool effect that we've seen. Before. Yeah, and it's really neat. The thing is, the only reason why I don't love this scene is because at the time when I first saw it, I was like. Oh, there's so much tension here because how are they going to beat this guy? And I feel like that's super not earned because it's so not real. I, I agree, but that's more fault of that scene. But yeah, uh, that's that's the fault of later on. This I, is, this I, is I a think, good establishment. But I think this for... scene has uh, has to take some of the blame because they immediately give him such strong powers that he could never be beaten. Yeah, like yeah. if your power is pop people, <laughs> how do people beat him? But one other thing I might mention in Fantastic Four: <laughs> Ultimate Fantastic Four. Uh, when they transformed, like Reed, he stops having organs. Like he has, like, <laughs> like his insides are like no longer organs. The thing is a rock. Like they they change completely. Uh, Doom yeah. explodes rocks and moves them too with his mind. I know, I know, <laughs> but I mean, like you could even if, if they just removed it to brain exploding, you could okay. explain that the brain exploding is ineffective because their organs have changed so much. They're not real people anymore. Yeah, but on the rewatch. This scene had, like, no power for me because I knew that, like, they're just building him up as such a god for no reason. There's no plot reason why he's this powerful. I, I still think it's a really well-directed scene. Unlike Ryan, you don't uh, hate Josh Trank's directing, so fuck you, Ryan. I didn't... Jesus. I, I, mean, I mean, now it seems like I hate actors, but Ryan hates directors, so... <laughs> that might be it. I might hate directors. Why do you hate all directors? Because you hate him. Anyway, uh... Okay, <laughs> so... Uh, everyone's trying to escape from this, and uh, Reed runs into Ben. And Ben asks him, are you running away again? And Reed's like, no. He was running away, but he's like... (laughs) (laughs) He's like, no. Yeah, so now they're they're all going to work together to stop him. So, um... Doom makes his way back to the Quam teleporter, and he wants to use it to return home and destroy this planet. Because we figured out from the beginning of the movie, if you fuck it up, you can make a black hole on Earth. And he's like, I can fuck it up. And he says, for my... if my, what was it? If to save, if I have to, <laughs> shit, <laughs> if I have to shit for my planet, if saving my planet means that this planet has to die, so be it. Yeah, it's something it. like that. Yeah, and he says that to Franklin because Franklin's trying to stop him. He's like, "Whoa, hey now, Doom, let's, let's be civilized here." R.I.P. Franklin because he doesn't yeah. he doesn't explode him. Yeah, you just can't like, you can't explode Franklin. Yeah, that's that's disrespectful. No, he has to kill him in a way that he still gets a dramatic final couple lines yeah. while he's dying. So he, like, just sears him Does or he something. get some final lines? When he gets seared, he's yeah. dead. Yeah, he just, he just gets... No, he definitely <laughs> says something to Sue and Johnny. He's like, take care of each other. Does he? Oh my yeah. god, if he does. That's how throwaway that line was. We're just yeah. like, he's dead. <laughs> it's like the most generic, like, dying dad. That's why he didn't, he didn't explode, because he can't talk with his head exploded. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Also, how does that work with telekinesis? Searing a man's body. I don't know. The thing is, that's it, it, this is one of the problems I had actually with when we watched X Men Apocalypse. It's like my powers are just plot, 
So yeah. it's like, the plot demands that I do this, and they do that. Like, that is such a boring power. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Doom loses all of his abilities to pop people from now on, and basically now he just throws things around. And gets the Fantastic Four out of his way and teleports back. And it, like, rips a hole in the sky. Yeah, yeah it makes a giant crater. Yeah, and so... They look at each other and they're like, well, we have to go and stop Doom. So Sue bubbles up with an invisible field. Ben and Reed and Johnny just flies through. He's like, I can go through con- this dimension. Yeah, he's portal. like, whatever. Fuck, oh, I made a fire. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, is, which we've established is cool. I know we needed these containment suits last time that Sue spent months working yeah. on. But no, nah, it's fine. We'll just go. Also, it, I mean, like, there has to be oxygen on that planet now. Like, not only can they breathe, but he is made of fire. So... Presumably, if he doesn't have oxygen, yeah, he, he can't be on fire, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. so then they fly through it, and it starts the final battle, which is... Mm, I, I don't even know how to describe it's it. It's just a shit show. The less said about it, the better. <laughs> it's just a piece of shit. It's yeah. Doom throwing rocks at people. And he makes big rock pillars, which are apparently like the three final pillars to destroy to stop the portal. It's like I a video know. game. It's actually like the end of Doom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you gotta close the portal. The big, yeah, you need to get to the well. Yeah. Maybe Doom was inspired by his movie, Phil. <laughs> Maybe. But I do want to point out, uh, even though this fighting sucks, it does have a few clever uses of teamwork, which is yeah. rarely seen in superhero films, unfortunately. Yeah. Because they have... Uh, uh, it's still because Doom could just blow their heads off, but it's, it's cool because... But he also gets knocked away because Reed stretches and punches Yeah, him. but it's cool because... What happens is Johnny's uh, throwing fireballs at him, and the first doesn't work. But they, then all, they, start... they all try and fight him one one v one first. Yeah, but then when uh, yeah. Reed's like, "We have to work together," and, uh, what happens is Johnny Storm throws his fireballs, and Sue makes his fireballs invisible, so Doom can't block them or you know uh, dodge them. And then when they're they hit Doom, uh, Sue makes a bubble around him, so the fireballs just burn his fucking entire body. I and, love that actually. Yeah. Yeah. They encase him in the fireball. There you go. There's the highlight of the fight. That really is. Oh, also. You forgot about the part oh, yeah. that he Doom puts rocks all over thing and makes him Bigger. out of the fight, and then he yeah. puts rocks all over Human Torch. He's like, "This is my power now. I'm, I'm an Earthbender. Just everyone is covered yeah. in rocks." He's he's he's, he's it's just like uh, Apocalypse of San Nito. He's Rock Nito. <laughs> yeah, San Nito. Yeah, Rock Nito. So so because as Reed explained that Doom is the source of all of this. Yeah, he that, says Doom is the source. Oh, and the other thing that's happening is there's like the black oh, yeah. hole on the planet is tearing apart all matter and sucking it through to hell and putting it down into like this oblivion <laughs> like field yeah. that's just destroying it instantly uh, and like they are killing thousands of people it's turning matter into pure energy yeah so like you see like roads and cars and trucks and like the lands the landscape is being torn apart yeah. as all this stuff flies through the portal yeah and to stop this cataclysm reed says we have to stop doom because he is the source so the thing punches him into the beam, and as he's getting destroyed, Johnny's flying around destroying the three pillars. Somehow. And yeah. Reed says, now! And then it, there's like ten seconds where he's like, huh? And then Thing comes out of invisibility, and you, they, they do it like ten miles away, so he can run up and say, it's clobbering time! Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then he inflicts the same trauma onto Doom that he had inflicted on him. Re- <laughs> repeating the cycle of violence. Yeah, Doom beats his son and says, Kristoff, and goes, it's clobbering time. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Doom dies, the portal explodes, and they fly, but luckily they fly back to Earth. So they go back to Earth, and there are these heroes that, the, like... They the military that the, had locked the, them up has to meet with them now. The public will never know what they did. And the military says, the public doesn't know what you did, but we know what you did. What have you done? 
Yeah. Yeah. And so they're like, are, what do they say? They, how long will it take you to get, like... Are you ready? Time? Like, can you go back to do operations? Yeah, and Reed says, no, we're done with you guys. And they're like, what are we... What are you going to do if we don't take that no for an answer? And Ben just is... Looks at them and growls, yeah. basically implying, if you want to keep us here, I'm going to fucking murder you. I'm going to fight you. the military. And so the military is just like, okay, we'll give you a building. You can do your research. You can keep all your research. You're going to go... Uh, and we'll give you unlimited money. So they go from prisoner to partner in a cataclysm. I guess they were the only ones that knew the information about this. I don't know how the military thinks that they weren't just like lying and they caused it. <laughs> yeah. Like every other movie where yeah. they're like a giant... Tragedy the, basically, the facility exploded. The only survivors are these four mutants. Yeah, because the whole, the entire thing got sucked up into the matter beam. Yeah, and then they come out of hell and they're like, "Hey, yeah, give now us we're a making demands." And the government's like, "You're right. <laughs> Thank you, overlords." <laughs> and then we have a uh, so Ben. No one knows Ben. Sue never even met Ben. Just yes, yeah, no one knows who Ben is. Yeah, and but now they're all friends. Yep. Yeah, and Johnny says the most horrible thing I've ever heard. Yeah. They're like, oh, what should we name ourselves? And Johnny's like, what about the four cool guys and the one piece of shit no one likes? <laughs> yeah, he's like, how about the two brains, the cool guy, and the thing no one ever wanted? Yeah. <laughs> Do you think I should have been afforded by his mom? <laughs> and, and Ben's, like, he, like, growls and, like, clenches his fist and reads, like, you know he's just kidding. First off, he doesn't know that. <laughs> Second off, Johnny hasn't earned this. He barely knows Ben at all. We yeah. don't know that, they're, that he's just kidding. Like, we, we don't, don't know we Ben. Don't, we don't know any of these people. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know what happened in this movie. But it's okay, because it ends with Ben looking over it and saying, gotta say, this place is pretty fantastic. And, he, and then Reed goes, what did you say? No, say that again. He says, what? It's fantastic. Guys, I think I know what we're going to be called. Late title card. Boom. Fantastic Fortistic. <laughs> also, let me let me ask Ben this question. What's fantastic? You don't know science, so this lab means nothing to you. Your whole life is ruined. He knows screws, and there's probably a lot of things to screw in there. Yeah, but he can't because he doesn't have a dick. Not for him. He doesn't have a dick. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> we skipped over target audience, by the way. I think we covered target audience in the very beginning when Daryl said no one should watch this movie. <laughs> oh, yeah. So we, I think we all know our opinions, so we can brush over recap page. And it's just, it's it's really, it's a bad movie with a couple glimmers of hope. Yeah. So I just want to get to a few questions I want to ask you guys. Uh, what, uh, well, I don't know questions, but like points of discussion. One, uh, I really feel Fantastic Four um, above all properties. Like Phil said, he didn't like the 60s stuff because it was very campy. I feel Fantastic Four is the one comic property that the campiness is mandatory and inherit for it because they call it the Fantastic Four. Like, no other team has an adjective in their fucking name. Like, I mean, Reed Richards' superhero name is Mr. Fantastic. See, yeah. I disagree. But, like, okay, maybe, maybe my case first. So, the villain is called Doctor Doom. Yeah. And, and like, sure. he's, he's a... And he's... Unlike other villains, like, Magneto, they've told Magneto to now he's just a Holocaust survivor who wears a helmet to protect his mind from Professor X's mind race. He's no longer... A Doctor Doom villain where he's wearing all these regal outfits and trying to rule the world. Doctor Doom is yeah. that 60s villain. Like, no, every other villain has been muted to that extent. Loki has been muted in, in that aspect. Every other villain in Marvel has muted that aspect of themselves to be more down-to-earth, more grounded, more realistic, more sympathetic. And even Doom is more sympathetic in a lot of cases, but he's, mm -hmm. all, he's never has stopped being the over-the-top comic book villain. He has Doom bots that... Uh, whenever they, anyone Doom loses, he says, "Oh, it wasn't me. It was a, a fucking robot that thought he was Doom." <laughs> yeah. Like he, they are 
the superheroes, the, the Fantastic Four are the ultimate comic booky superheroes. Doom is the ultimate comic book supervillain, and you have to. I think you have to embrace that. Yeah. And, and Fox and Fox with every property with X Men, with Daredevil, they're always like, how can we make this more realistic? How can we make these realistic gritty characters? But you can't do Fantastic Four. You have to make them super comic booky. And to me, that's what would make Fantastic Four actually stand out if they leaned into it. Because, like, to me, Doctor Doom in the 60s, he's great in the 60s. But I think he's even better now that they've humanized and, like, cut back on the crazy bombastic villains. That Doom stands out so much to me as, like, he is still that super dramatic villain that, like, is so classic. That I feel like if they were to lean hard and make him, like, the dictator gypsy sorcerer that he is, like, I feel like that would stand out as so much fun leaning into the camp of it. Yeah, you could potentially, like, I, I believe Marvel Studios could do that and make a good movie with them still being campy, but I think they can work if you mute them down. His name is Victor Von Doom. He was born, like, I will name my son Victor Von Doom. So there's <laughs> there's plenty of stupid superhero names. I know, but, like, most of them, most of them yeah. usually try to subdue that. They give them, like, I even complain about this. A lot of superhero films don't even use, they don't even name their characters by their villain names. Like, Daredevil doesn't call him the Kingpin. They just call him Fixed the entire time. Like, in that world, those worlds where they, they can't even use a supervillain name from the comics... They're going to call him Victor Von Doom and pretend like it's realistic? The thing is, uh, to me, one of the big charms of the Fantastic Four is despite the campiness, they still have more heart than, like, any other franchise. And they're so, like, in this crazy, crazy bombastic world, they're still such, like, a tight-knit group of, like, it's a real family. And that's one thing that I feel like they haven't nailed on film yet. And, like, I think you could ground it or you could not. But to me, for some reason, they won't. They won't lean into the family aspect when they make these movies. And I just don't get they it. They try. Like the the 2004 movie tried a bit. They try a bit, but not enough. Yeah. Again, I, th- I just think Fantastic Four hasn't been done well. And especially Doctor Doom hasn't been done well. I don't think it's a case of it's not possible to make the modern without, well, getting rid of the camp. I'm not saying modern. I'm, sa- I'm saying gritty and realistic like Fox wants to make him. Oh. I see. I still think again you could do that because we saw that during the the terror parts where it was like horrific. Where I think you could do but that's it. not Fantastic Four. That that'll be a thing based on Fantastic Four. That's not the Fantastic Four as they are. Like I would compare it to like Guardians of the Galaxy is like campy yeah. and hokey and really yeah. fun. Yeah. And like it still has a lot of heart. And to me, just watch The Incredibles. That's the yeah. best Fantastic Four movie. <laughs> okay, actually, and that's campy and hokey. That's a very good point. The Incredibles is basically Fantastic Four. At the yeah. end, they fight the Mole Man. They call it the Underground or something, but it's the Mole Man. Yeah, yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah, but like, uh, so what do you think about this? Like, yeah, someone doesn't like Fantastic Four as much. Uh, do you think? Uh, do you think Fox should continue trying to make him gritty and realistic? I mean, do think... I don't. I I think even I don't want Fox to have this property. I, when I when I watched yeah, Daredevil, the Netflix TV series, I I love that show. By the way, even in that universe, which is pretty, it, they set it up as such a gritty place that when he got his costume, it was almost too much for me to 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 fit in with this hyper realistic gritty New York City. Like, yeah. I think when you try... It's hard to set up a, a simultaneously very gritty world and have the comic booky stuff like bright costumes, like silly names, like... Uh, that stuff often does not fit together, in my view. Or And you can get away with it more with a character like Daredevil than you can with a character like Mr. Fantastic who stretches. Yeah. So Okay, so we ran long, real long yeah. talking about this, because there's a lot to talk about. But, uh, so we're going to skip 
the letters page. But just a reminder, we are on Google Play, Stitcher, and iTunes now. Rate and review us, Twitter and Gmail, if you have any questions for us. Or Facebook. Divisive issues at everything. So, recommendations? Yes. Who wants to go first? I can go. Cool. Uh, Ryan went over the issue. It's Mark Wade's run where Doom becomes a sorcerer. <laughs> the I actually originally was going to recommend Wade's run, but I have a different recommendation instead. But the thing I want to say about Wade's run is his first issue is, to me, the best issue of the Fantastic Four ever written. And it sums up why they're so great and shows the family a lot. And it was also only nine cents when it came out. And, like, that, it's that's how accessible it is, is they basically gave it away for free because they were convinced that if you read this, you will love the Fantastic yeah, Four. You, if, you, you will, if you spend nine cents on this, you will spend uh, $2 on the next issue. Yeah. And it's it's wonderful. Also, Doom being a sorcerer is a way if you don't want him to, to uh, the technology scientist guy. And if you want to give him powers, it's a, it's a pretty cool way to do it. Yeah. Doom's been a sorcerer from the beginning, but Wade, like, really expanded Yeah, it's something it that they, that's something about the Doom is, like, all the elements that even, like, made, uh, Wade and other writers pick up, they've always been in place. Like, that's what, like, there's no, like, they've, like the things that people have added to him are, are more, like, his character stuff, but, like, his actual plot elements are been intact since the 60s. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, uh, what's going next? My Phil? my recommendation, I don't know Alpha why. Lead? No, well, you know they're very different. But the <laughs> opening scene is similar, yeah. um, but for some reason I always associate Fantastic Four with the video game Freedom Force. If you've ever played it, it's like a really campy superhero game where uh, you know you have a team of superheroes. They have to work together. Uh, it's it leans into the campiness of it, which Fantastic Four, I guess, probably does more in the comics than they did in this movie. Yeah. So if you like that idea of like very comic booky superheroes um, working together, and you like. It's the, it plays like um, I'm trying to think of what it plays like Marvel Ultimate Alliance kind of but you can pause and yeah it's actually movies. Marvel Ultimate Alliance took notes from that like uh, the, the, the gradation was first Freedom Force came out then X-Men Legends and Ultimate Alliance like each one was like evolution basically in that process yeah so it's like a superhero RPG where you can like pause time and pick what abilities you're going to do so you can have one of your guys make a force field and then someone is like the thing who just runs up and tanks the hits and it's a lot of fun and it's it it's campy but it's great it came out in like 2000 2001 yeah, and just to add to uh, uh, why it's a good recommendation, it was actually based specifically on Jack Kirby and Stanley's comics from the '60s, and uh, all the characters are very, very vague, very thinly veiled, uh, you know, uh, references to uh, Stanley Jack Kirby characters. Like they have Man Bond instead of Iron Man. They yeah. have uh, <laughs> Minute Man instead of Captain America. I love, I love that stuff. It, it, yeah. And you, I think you can even make your own superhero in there too. Yeah, you can. It's a really good game. It sounds awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, I'll go. I'm not going to recommend a comic book. Get fucked, Sly. Now with Fantastic Four after fucking jerking it off every time we talk about the movie? <laughs> nope. I am going to recommend a Disney movie called Meet the Robinsons. Not The Incredibles? I... No, because that's obvious. <laughs> Ultimate Fantastic Four and The Incredibles are too obvious. You're a hipster, Ryan. Fuck you. <laughs> it's it's a fucking Disney movie. It's not obscure. I have to choose something cool. Like Disney, like <laughs> Disney movies. It's an animated movie. That is about a little kid inventor who... Wait, Disney animates movies? Yeah, god damn it, guys. <laughs> he's a little kid who's an inventor, and he he's an orphan, and he goes into the future and sees, like, his family's legacy. And it's really, really fun, and it leans hard into the camp, and Adam West is in it. And it's just, like, if you like really fun, campy sci-fi that, like, has an emphasis on family... Meet the Robinsons is pretty great. Also, Danny Elfman does all the music, so it's really cool. good. Danny Elfman's always good. 
Uh, my recommendation is the best Fantastic Four movie, The Incredibles. Uh, no, uh, <laughs> it, that is the best Fantastic no. Four movie. But, but the best one of the Fantastic Four name is uh, Fantastic Four from back in 94. What happened was <laughs> the master of cheap movies... Sly uh, made this movie, by the way. That's why he's been pushing it so hard. He's <laughs> yeah. like, please... He made it when he was four years old. <laughs> He's a corporate out of the N sixty four. So, um, it, the person who produced it was uh, low budget specialist Roger Corman, and we mentioned him. Uh, we mentioned we talked about Howard Duck about uh, basically, uh, basically, basically they filmed the movie with the original Frankenstein and Jack Nicholson, and they had they finished the movie so fast, and they were like. We still have like a few weeks with these two actors. Let's just make a movie and like without even a script. And they just shot footage, and then they had to like glue this the script together after after filming it. They used to say like, basically like he could get a get the budget for a film at a phone booth and get and pay for it with the change in the phone booth. Like like he was like infamous for very cheap movies, and this movie was one of them. But what happened was the studio basically once the they had the right rights holders for the films and. They were going to lose the rights because they were supposed to make a Fantastic Four movie and they didn't. And uh, they were going to lose the rights, so they went to Roger Corman and said, "Oh, can you make us this movie?" And they knew we're not going to release this movie. Like, there's no way. We're, uh, but this, the cast didn't know that. They thought we're making a, a sincere attempt at Fantastic Four. And the movie, out of all of them, it's the most accurate. It has the most accurate Doom. He's a leader of Latveria. He has a castle. He's friends with Reed in college. Everything. It's not perfectly accurate, but it's the most accurate they've, they've come. It has some weird elements, like there's a, there's a weird jewel thief underground that it's supposed to be the Mole Man, kind of, but he's like a weird rat monster instead. <laughs> so the Mole Man? They have a more accurate Mole Man, this film, ironically. Uh, but, um, Danny DeVito. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's a penguin. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, I'm looking at the movie poster right now, and the tagline is part muscle, part elastic, part fire, part invisible. Together, it's clobbering time. Oh, no! <laughs> no, Big Brother, stop! <laughs> but yeah, like, if you, if you wanted to see a legitimately, like, Oscar-winning movie, you don't see it. <laughs> I thought you, you were going to say you see how, if, you, if you want to compare how if much... you want to have fun? If you, but if you want to compare... First of all, if you want to have fun, it's fun. More like Fantastic Fun, right? Boom! Fantastic Four, <laughs> Fan Fan Four Stick, Fan Fantastic. <laughs> and if you and also if you want to compare like how stupid they are of these two movies, how stupid Fox is, like, like that they fuck it up so badly that fucking Roger Corman made a better movie than them. Uh, go watch for that too. Okay. One of the producers on the film actually went on to do the 2004 Fantastic Four movie. Yeah, those, oh. ones, those rights holders. Interesting. Yeah. So, do you guys think there's gonna be a Fan Five Stick? No, definitely not. I, I really hope not. I I really want. I know they're holding the license hostage. I really want. <laughs> we'll kill it if you don't give us. I really want Marvel to snatch it up. I think at this point, though, Marvel has so many properties that they'll just be like, "Fox, what are you gonna do? Keep losing money on it? Eventually, oh, I need a good up. Doom. I need one. Yeah, watch Night Four Fantastic Four. You get it. Stop <laughs> recommending me crap. Sly. <laughs> okay. We've talked about this for too yeah. long. Uh, I'm Sly Crappa. Wait. What? Shut up, no. Shut up, Sly. Thanks for listening to Divisive Issues. No thanks. I'm Sly Crappa. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you. I'm Daryl Stephan. <laughs> uh, thanks. I'm Bill Maverick. <laughs> yeah, eat it, Sly. And, and thanks. I'm Ryan Lynch. Stay in continuity. Somebody who makes me laugh